Welcome to Absalon Fintech Insights, a podcast series by iXeed that features exclusive interviews and insightful discussions. Join us today to hear about the latest trends that are reshaping the future of finance. Today, we are joined by our guest speaker, Olivia, a leading analyst at Forrester in the financial services sector. With extensive experience in digital transformation and sustainable finance, Olivia brings valuable insights on the impact of technology and evolving customer expectations in the financial industry. We're delighted to have you with us today, Olivia. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here and share a bit uh, our predictions for 2024 when it comes to, to banking. So I, you've already introduced me kindly. A few words about Forrester, if you've never come across us. We do research into trends and technologies and help organizations around the world drive customer obsessed growth. Uh, every year, we actually do a lot of research that drives our predictions. So we try to look in the crystal ball and think what will happen next year. And of course, this is driven by our kind of continuous uh, analysis of trends um, and what is happening across you know, customers, uh, technologies, uh, regulatory and, and competitive landscape. And of course, if you think about 2023, there are a few things that happened that made us think very hard about what will happen in 2024. So the broader context and, and the way the year started wasn't great. If you think about it, we've had three bank failures in the US, kind of 11th hour rescue of uh, of Credit Suisse, uh, which in the end ended up uh, getting acquired by, by UBS. So it wasn't really a very calm year. Now, uh, with this backdrop, actually banks globally are not doing badly. Uh, so as we went into this year and also sort of on the back of, of last year, a lot of people anticipated a massive increase in, in defaults. So banks set aside a lot of capital because they thought, OK, given higher uh, and persistently high inflation rates, recession in some geographies, this will drive increase in loan defaults. But actually, the picture is much more mixed uh, because in a lot of geographies, employment is still high and unemployment low. Uh, incomes are somewhat rising, not quite to maybe match inflation, but they're, they're rising. People are still relying on some of their sort of post-pandemic saving. And this hasn't really uh, driven this, this anticipated increase uh, in defaults. So profitability across uh, the banking sector is all right. If you think about the last kind of decade where we had low net interest and very sort of low net interest margins, we are in a better place, particularly if you're a retail bank. Uh, it's a bit different, of course, on the investment banking side because their uh, lack of sort of uh, transactions is, is reducing that profitability. So that's kind of the overall uh, context. Now, uh, having said that, there are clouds on the horizon and already now we're seeing that banks are struggling to retain uh, some of those deposits. And, and this is because, of course, with the interest rates rising, many banks use the, those, uh, those sort of rising interest rates to bolster their profit margins. So they've increased rates on, on loans, mortgages, personal loans, but they haven't to the same degree increased rates on, on deposits. And this kind of drives an interesting situation and maybe is a good setup for uh, for my first prediction for 2024. And that is that we expect 30% of customers 
to shift deposits away from their primary bank. So we've already seen some of this in 2023, where some of the largest banks are seeing outflows of like billions and tens of billions of pounds and dollars and, and euros, because customers, given the high inflation rate, are looking for higher interest rates on their deposit. And of course, this impacts profitability and, and those you know healthy net interest margins are going to see a, a bit of a hit. So what can you can you do about it? Obviously, regulators in some geographies in the UK, where I am based, some of them are already clamping down on what they perceive as unfair savings rates, saying to banks, well, you've got to pass on more of this uh, to ensure that customers get fair value on, on, on their deposits. But where this is not happening, those cash consumers are obviously voting with, with their feet. And we think that challenger banks in particular will take advantage of this. Obviously, we have a lot of challenger banks globally, uh, brands like Revolut and Monzo and, and Starling and N26 and, and so on. And of course, they are benefit, benefiting from those higher net interest margins also because at a time of low interest rates, they had to really, their only appeal was customer experience. And that's a great appeal. But for new customer acquisition, it's obviously easier to attract customers So if you can also offer better fees and better interest rates and so on. So that boosts their profitability. We, we see this also with the tech titans. So Apple Card's new high-yielding savings account has already attracted more than $10 billion in deposits since it was launched in April 2023. So this is interesting. We measure customer loyalty and what drives customer loyalty at Forrester through our customer experience index. It's a survey that we run uh, every single year with thousands of customers uh, globally to, to understand what drives customer experience quality um, and also what drives customer loyalty, whether customers uh, stay with the brand, do more business with the brand, or recommend the brand. And across the globe, we often see that prices and fees is one of those driver categories that doesn't impact customer loyalty and customer experience a lot. So it's very, very difficult to retain customers and sell them more if all you do is offer great rates. You know, like it's it's just not it's just not easy. You know, just just rates themselves are not great ways to to retain customers and, and to drive that customer loyalty. That said, if customers are looking for specifically higher interest rates, they obviously go to those brands. So our prediction is that a lot of the challengers will use this uh, situation as an opportunity to attract those customers, but then will use great customer experience, focus on financial well-being, great digital uh, experiences to create a moat around those businesses. So we'll, they will win on rates, but retain on experience. So you as a kind of incumbent bank should hopefully be adopting a very similar strategy, thinking very carefully about the type of customer experience you offer to your customers. Because we see that there are other things that really retain customers, things like customer service, you know, having knowledgeable employees, um, making customers feel respected, because emotion is that one area that really determines customer experience in banking a lot more than things like ease and effectiveness. Uh, whether customers uh, manage just to do get stuff done and complete their their banking task. So that's that first prediction. You know, thirty percent of customers will shift deposits 
uh, away from, from their primary bank. So that brings me to the second one, which I think ties in nicely because we started talking about customer value and uh, competition and, and how that might play out. So the second one is really around open banking. And we know that there's been a lot of movement uh, in open banking, particularly in the US this year. And so our prediction is that open banking will be uh, the hot topic in the US, but four out of five banks will fail to act. And obviously, the, the recent movement on open banking in the US is driven by the Consumer Financial Protections Bureau's proposed rule on personal financial data rights. So the regulators are, are thinking they have to get involved to drive more open banking standardization, uh, innovation, competition, uh, and, and so on. And we see that in the US, about 30% of business and technology executives uh, say that their organization plans to increase investment in open banking. But actually, a lot of the, the talk at the moment is, is not really thinking about how can we turn this to our advantage? How can we use open banking to drive innovation, to deliver value to customers and so on? A lot of larger banks still perceive open banking as a threat and actually lobby to delay final implementation. Obviously, if you're a smaller bank, you, you might struggle to have the resources to address this and build the technical solution. But of course, you know, inaction is what fails customers because this open banking is all about ensuring that customers have an easy way to control their, their financial data, that they can move this data easily, share it with consent with those that they want to uh, and so on. And we see actually that customers are prepared for this already. Uh, only about a third of U.S. consumers are reluctant to allow banks to share their data. Actually, U.S. consumers are pretty open uh, as long as they think that this will drive some sort of value for them. So our, our recommendation here is that for 2024, you must remember that open banking is bidirectional. So this is not just about you sharing data um, with other banks and fintechs and so on. Uh, as the regulator demands, but that you can be using that data from other companies to improve solutions for your own customers. And therefore, you should be ready to, to act on this and start piloting uh, some new innovations and solutions that uh, maybe focus on financial well-being or, or payments use cases and, and so on, and start exploring some of those uh, quite promising uh, use cases. So that wraps up my second prediction around open banking. Uh, as I said, open banking will be the hot topic in the US, but four out of five banks will fail uh, to act. So whilst we're on the topic of open banking and also data, I think the other prediction that I want to discuss is about ChatGPT and Gen AI. I, I, I can't not do it because, of course, Gen AI is, is such a hype topic at the moment, and we constantly get questions about what Gen AI means for banking and, and how it will play out and so on. And of course, um, banks are responding to this very differently. Some are banning you know, ChatGPT. A lot of our, a lot of them are exploring Gen AI uh, in areas such as software development through what we uh, call Turing bo uh, bots, where you can generate code. Quite a few are exploring Gen AI for, for fraud or for generating marketing content, copywriting, and, and, and so on. So there is a lot of activity in this area at the moment. 
uh, it's still early days. Obviously, we have a lot of worries about the relative immaturity of the technology, coherent nonsense, all the data risks, uh, and so on. And on the back of that, our prediction is that chat GPT will turn into chat OMG for at least 10 banks uh, due to a lack of gen AI uh, control. So we think that out of those 10 banks, probably about eight will be actually neo banks, those challengers, uh, and two incumbents who will find themselves in front of the regulator because of some kind of disaster caused by, by generative AI. And this kind of balance, you know, eight neo and two incumbents comes from the fact that actually many banks are at the moment very risk averse when it comes to, to Gen AI. So they're either controlling or prohibiting a use of Gen AI. They're piloting mostly. They're very busy developing uh, some knowledge and principles and governance. And this is all the right thing to do. But of course, the problem of such tools is that it takes only one rogue employee or a third party that kind of operates outside of your controls to cause trouble. So at the moment, we see that a lot of banks are not applying their standard data governance to AI and specifically Gen AI governance. And that's the risk, right? So with limited governance, you can have that rogue employee or or a third party, uh, you know, breach copyright, accidentally use consumer information, maybe fail to offset their bias or even pollute synthetic data. Because one of the very uh, you know, promising use cases is synthetic data. So many banks are keen to pilot and use synthetic data to, to drive personalization, to test solutions. But of course, if you pollute synthetic data, that opens you up for all kinds of issues, including consumer compensation claims. Uh, so that's that's it. So we think that the most likely outcome is some kind of infringement of existing privacy or a copyright regulation. Or, you know, we, our security and risk team uh, expects more data breaches and, and fines uh, due to security flaws in AI generator, generated code. There is a lot of re- regulatory movement in this space. Of course, if you're in the EU, you've got the EU AI Act to, to follow. Uh, in some other geographies, obviously, we don't have specific AI regulation. But whatever you do, ensure that customers can trust the technology you use build stakeholder trust, build the right um, appropriate governance structure, and so on to ensure that this doesn't happen to you. So those are my three predictions for for next year. And I want to maybe spend a bit of time discussing what it means and what you should be focusing on for the year ahead. So we know from our surveys that in terms of business priorities, uh, the things that banks are focusing on most now are growing revenue, improving the experience of customers and strengthening regulatory compliance. And these are all great things. You know, you in an environment like this, you can definitely grow a revenue top line growth. I just heard one bank actually say that their cost to income ratio is now at 29%, not because they slash cost, but they really managed to grow that, that revenue. And this is great. Um, and also, as we said, you know, when you focus on revenue growth, make sure that you don't neglect neglect customer experience, because this is what will help you retain those customers and kind of maybe stem that that loss of deposit that is impacting already some of the incumbents. So how do you do that? If you want to offer great customer experience, 
you should be focusing very much on like the drivers that are most important for your geography, for your customer base. There are different types of drivers here. Uh, there is a lot you can still do on the quality of digital customer experience, improving web and app. We see in our research that hybrid experiences are the ones that at the moment generate well, the highest value and that are rated the highest by customers. Uh, when it comes to ease, effectiveness, and things like emotion. And, you know, so 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 maybe invest in those kind of hybrid journeys and think through which sort of channels will support what, how will that uh, play out, tackle some of the pain points in those journeys, the underlying technology, the underlying processes, and so on. So that's one area in which you should be spending a bunch of your resources, how to improve customer experience. Now, the second one is also technology, because as I mentioned, technology is a big component of CX. And you know, recently we've seen some big banks in places like Singapore really being fined for operational resiliency issues. And so we, we see that banks are spending more and more time uh, working on improving their IT reliability and resilience. So that's like the one of the top three priorities for banks globally. And this is absolutely the right area to focus on, but also improve IT capabilities to enhance customer experience. So investing in the right sort of data infrastructure, uh, some of the core systems that drive customer experiences, digital banking engagement layer as well. So there's a lot you can do here. And we are very um, sort of pleased to see that a lot of banks actually are using the fairly healthy profits to upgrade and consolidate business apps, to really modernize the legacy technology. So those are like in the top three priorities when it comes to IT actions that banks are taking. And I think this is the absolutely right thing to do, you know, when you have the money, invest in those areas, but also focus great more greatly on your operating model. So we see banks also thinking about, okay, how do I organize and sort of focus on customer value, organizing around business outcomes, customer outcomes, aligning their operating model with value streams and so on. So that's one other area uh, that a lot of banks are focusing on and is, and is the right thing to do. So if there's any uh, one last thought uh, that I want to leave you the, at the end of this podcast is you know, think very carefully invest in, in agility. We've had a lot of uncertainty in the last few years. So, you know, plans often fail, but at least planning is important to, to do so that you can be in a good position for, for 2024. So thank you very much. And with this, I will wrap up. Thank you, Olivia, for sharing your valuable insights with us. To our listeners, we hope you found this episode interesting and stay tuned for more exciting discussions in the future. Thank you and have a nice day. Thank you for listening to Absalon Fintech Insights. Subscribe to stay up to date on all things fintech.